0: Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. My name is brother Thomas Therese. I'm a Dominican friar and a son of the English province. And once again, I'm not joined by uh, Dan, although he will be back next week. (laughs) Instead, I'm joined by a very special guest who uh, me and Dan have spoken about a lot on the podcast. uh, Highly anticipated Amelia. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Amelia
1: hello thank you <laughs> this is weird to be here <laughs> i usually just listen about myself <laughs> yeah
0: we said dan said on the podcast last week oh the thing you don't realize is amelia is always here she just doesn't speak But <laughs> oh, no, i
1: have a voice <laughs> I, I
0: quite like that i thought that was very funny but so the, the last episode that we did uh, me and dan together we looked at the lay vocation and the universal calling to holiness so we've got a couple of episodes there on so we've got yeah we've got an episode Episode on the lay vocation and we've got another episode on the universal call to holiness which are sort of two halves of the same whole well we're going for a triptych because today amelia is here again to talk about the lay vocation but to talk about the lay vocation particularly from a female perspective from a woman's mm-hmm. perspective so uh thanks very much for agreeing to uh agreeing to come on maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself like maybe a little bit about how how do you know me and dan like how did we meet
1: yeah um so we've known each other for quite a few years now i guess um i first met dan when um, i was in my first year at university and um and he was like the assistant chaplain and weirdly i suppose for a student at university i went to the adoration on the monday evenings um not weird at all (laughs) (laughs) for most students (laughs) and so that's how i sort of first met dan and then i think i then met you through dan um and then we then went to lords that like my first summer at university or whatever um and yeah we sort of then went on a road trip around France and things. Where okay, yeah. can I just clear my name here? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay, I can cook more than pasta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't believe her. No, it's true. She d- she does cook more than pasta. It's great. She also she also forages mini cheddars out of the back of the car. Uh, <laughs> we and went on a. <laughs> Where did we go? We went. Um, we began um, uh, Calais. And then mm. we went along towards Lisieux, didn't we? And yep. then we went around yep. the, the west coast of France um, to see where St. Louis de Montfort was. Um, we went to Lourdes, Toulouse. Yep. There's this hilarious photo of us on the way back from Toulouse looking absolutely done for the day, absolutely finished. <laughs> um, and uh, then we went up. Did we go up into the mountains to La Salette? Did uh, we into- yes, we yeah. did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we went up to um Arz and Perilemonyal and um uh we we came back home but we've been we've been didn't you come with us another time as well cuz we went uh, with No
1: I was um I think I was at work on that time.
0: So. Uh, Macy and came with hit. us a second <laughs> time but I thought have we been a third time or were we planning we to sort and of then just COVID happen in
1: in UK holiday this year didn't we
0: Yeah we did yeah <laughs> went to uh, uh, Dan's, Dan's flat down in, in the southwest. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, mm. <laughs> um, what did you study at university? Uh, just, just um, So I, you know. I,
1: I did a master's in chemistry um, no. with a placement year.
0: <laughs> Very posh. No. Uh, and now you work <laughs> in industry, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I work for um, a drilling fluids company as a chemist. Um, mm. and do a bit of marketing stuff sort of on the side.
0: Excellent. Well, (laughs) maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk about the faith and science. Uh, debate oh. in inverted commas oh, the relationship <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between uh bet- between faith and, and the sciences and maybe uh we could get on Dr. Shimon Stelter as well who I know is also a, an avid listener of the show anyway <laughs> back on to the uh topic for today uh talking about um the lay vocation particularly from a woman's perspective from within the church so how how do you view the vocation of lay people in the church? How do you view the vocation of women in the church in particular? Mm.
1: So I've sort of, I've been trying to think about it. Um, and I guess for, you know, for a priest, you know, his vocation is very obvious. You know, he's sort of, he's up on the, on the altar sort of center stage as it were. Whereas I guess for, for the laity, their vocation is perhaps more in the sidelines a lot of the time um so for for me personally kind of thing in the church you know i help out with reading um and i'm still an altar server as well even though i'm really trying to to arrange to get younger servers to, to take over from me um and me and my siblings so sorry that's me and all my siblings are servers um how many siblings also, do you have amelia <laughs> well i'm one of ten
0: <laughs> <laughs> how many how many of your siblings at the moment are also servers and or, um, or involved in one way or another I with. Think there's
1: uh, 26 of us. So.
0: Okay. So that's between, say, readers, uh, maybe extraordinary ministers of the yep. Eucharist, uh, and. Stewarding also as well with COVID and stuff. Stewarding with COVID, gosh, my days. <laughs> Busy family, yeah.
1: Yep. Very good. Every, everyone knows who we are.
0: <laughs> so you said you were involved in uh, the ministry of uh, lector, so reading uh yeah. also serving um at the altar um yeah. uh is there what other ways are, are you involved in in your parish
1: um so in the past um if we've had uh, sort of like parish events like i mean we used to kind of have a youth group so we always sort of try and make sure we support um any events that that the parish hosts um in terms of you know helping with having no drinks and things like that or if it's, even if it's just putting chairs away at the end, you know, because there's many hands make light work. And, you know, our mother always encourages us, encourages us to help out. <laughs> mm. um, and how do you yeah.
0: see that as being related to growing in holiness? It reminds me uh, a lot, actually, of St. Therese of Lisieux and mm. the Little Way, which she also calls a, a way of hiddenness and mm. uh, a sort of bringing sanctity actually just mm. into ordinary Ordinary everyday, ordinary and everyday tasks by performing acts Mm. of kindness and charity for each other.
1: Yeah, and I think also it helps um, to support. So, for example, um, I mean, I'm really hoping our parish will start maybe hosting some, like you know, weekly um, lectures on on some topics or whatever. So, if if we can help out with with supporting that event just by doing the you know the, the mundane side of it. Then that can free up the people who are who are actually hosting the event to actually host the event and not have to do all the you know humdrum <laughs> behind the scenes bits
0: this but. is the sort of stuff that uh, my nan uh, would hmm. call like salt of the earth sort of work you know <laughs> the leaven the stuff that sort of Um, present without which nothing would happen. So I I know you sort of say, oh, you know, the priest takes sort of center stage and the lay people sort of off in the wings and everything. But Hmm. it's very obvious without that sort of work, nothing would function, right? Hmm. It it reminds me of... this f- phrase which came from my student master which i i, I loved which was the the ministry of, of the little old lady uh you know every parish has this army of yeah. you know li- of little old ladies without whom absolutely nothing would function uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah, nothing would work uh, they remind In terms me of
1: like what... the choir or sort of um even just having like tea and coffee after sunday mass you know the, the small things that can really help build the community i think of the church you know
0: yeah, and and they're acts of service as well, aren't they? They're no yeah. less. They're no less uh, important uh, than the ministry of a deacon or a priest or or, or a yeah. bishop or anything like that. They're all acts of service and opportunities for for growth in holiness in very yeah. ordinary ordinary ways. And I would say that that's how the majority of us. Become saints, you know. Not all of us are going to uh, be able to change the world in the way that Mother Teresa did. But we remember mm-hmm. that Mother Teresa said, you know, that she began by just picking up one person out of a gutter. You know, yeah. and she herself didn't think that she was doing extraordinary things. She thought God was doing extraordinary things. But she has. Well, I herself...
1: suppose also, even in that sort of, because when Mother Teresa was, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, was it? Yeah, And I think when she was receiving that, I mean, she used that, I suppose what you could call a very material sort of, you know, award. And she used that as a segue to be able to talk about, I think it was the sanctity of life or something. You know, so she used what she was given to raise, it, I mm. suppose, up to God, you could say, you know, and, and I suppose, yeah, made the most of what she had.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. How would you how would you describe that? Because I, I know John Paul II Second spoke Hmm. about the feminine genius um what are your what are your thoughts about that and the distinctiveness uh of women in the church
1: yeah I, i was um i was trying to research into it a little bit um and i found something so it was around pope john paul ii's letter where he mentions about the feminine genius um and it was apparently it's the closing message of the second vatican council should i read it out
0: yeah, sure, read it out. And it's
1: it's just a little bit, and it says, um, so, the hour is coming, in fact has come, when the vocation of woman is being acknowledged in its fullness. The hour in which women acquire in the world an influence, an effect, and a power never hitherto achieved. That is why at this moment, when the human race is undergoing so deep a transformation, women imbued with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid humanity in not falling. Mm. and i think that is such a an important i don't know i think that's so strong you know sort of um so that, so that was from the close of the second vatican council wow
0: um yeah.
1: and so yeah so i know that's not exactly from saint john paul ii's letter
0: but um, oh, no no, <laughs> no it, it, you, you're quite right it's it's absolutely uh, absolutely profound uh, and what would you say would be uh the various ways in which you yourself have seen or experienced this in the church
1: yeah, so so when I was trying to, I suppose, research into what, what Pope John Paul was perhaps referring to when he was referring to, you know, the, the feminine genius, because he does, he mentions it several times um, in his, is it called his letter to women? Yes. Um, and so so one of the things I was coming across and it said, so there are four aspects um, to the feminine battle plan, as it were, in aiding humanity and not falling. And so, so the four things are receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. Mm. Um, and so, I suppose, especially I guess in this current age where the idea of um, identity and so, I suppose especially gender identity is so, so confused and you know maybe questioned by so many people as to you know what what does it mean? You know what makes me a woman <laughs> you know I've got quite long hair you know if I cut my hair off you know am I no longer female <laughs> you know of course it,
0: you you, you are you know well, yeah, yeah, yeah the the essence
1: but I suppose that's you know that's basically the feminine genius like I suppose answers that question to an extent of you know what what makes me a woman and so one of the 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 ways that they break that down is into these four things so receptivity sensitivity generosity and maternity which I thought was was quite interesting because it's it's more about, I suppose, your, your inner self rather than just the, the external attributes of a person, you know. And one of the things it mentions about especially sort of receptivity was, of course, you know, the Virgin Mary, you know, so that the most perfect female, you know. Um, and, and her receptivity in, in receiving God in her womb, you know, and sort of, I suppose, we don't do that to the extent that she did but you know the the way that we can receive god i suppose into our hearts and and then Mm. and the gifts that that can bring you know
0: yeah i mean one of the one of the phrases in scripture that i absolutely love is when um the when the angel is talking to mary and it says she pondered all these things in her heart Mm. she had a certain sort of receptivity to the word which was full in 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 diverse ways right she was yeah. receptive to receiving the word in her womb of course the word becoming flesh yeah jesus christ the second person of the trinity so she was receptive to receiving the word in in her womb I- incarnate uh, who she gave birth to and also who she she buried after after he dies on the on the cross um she also has this receptivity to the word of the lord as proclaimed by the angel You know, Mm. and the fulfillment of God's promises, she's receptive to God's word in its entirety. And so she is obviously a model for all of us uh, as the as the church. Very often when I talk to people who are religious and I um, hear the story about how the faith was handed down to them, sometimes actually with years of, of no practice at all, very often it will come back to, an important woman in their life, mm-hmm. and this this is for 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 men and for women. Like if I if I think about myself, um, I really first started well, I yeah, I mean, I was I was baptised as a baby, um, but mm-hmm. I grew up away from um the church with no real memory. Uh, I mean, we didn't go to 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 church every Sunday with with my mum, but when I was about seven or so i would go to church with my grandmother and this is how the faith was traditioned onto me this is how the faith was passed on to me and this is a story i hear again and again and again um that actually it's there's something about those courageous and important women within the church who i mean and as as a brother when i'm when i'm at mass and i look up and i look out towards the church the majority of people who i see in the church are women, you know, mm. um, and so th- the importance of of women within within the church is is profound. The influence of women, and look at the lives of the saints as well. You know, people like Saint Catherine of Siena, uh, Our Lady, who you just mentioned uh, mm. mentioned a second ago, um, other women uh, like Saint Gertrude, or powerful abbesses uh you know in the church people and or people like Perpetra and felicity early church martyrs uh, who were women and, and venerated and are still venerated throughout the universal church uh, so the importance of um, women not only now in the church but also throughout the centuries uh, in helping people to become holy to live holy lives and to be receptive to god's word and and generous mm-hmm. in their response to god's word yeah, yeah just like you know just like you and, and your family uh, as you were mm-hmm. saying at the beginning of the episode and also those little old ladies who have their their various ministries there's a a um a ministry i know of at one of our parishes where there are uh ladies who help people who are um grieving the death of a spouse
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and the Tends to be the uh, elderly ladies who have lost a husband, who are supporting each other and supporting people who have recently lost somebody. So the the ministry there in bereavement groups, uh, yeah. that generosity of time and that that comfort they provide to people, and helping people to reestablish their lives and to be able not so much to to move on, um, but to
1: um, to know they're not alone, you know, and that the there are other people there, you know, because I think sometimes that's the worst part of, especially in grief, is just not feeling that like anyone else is there with you. And I suppose if they're able to, yeah, and, and which I suppose that again comes down to sort of the feminine genius and that ability, I suppose you know that the sensitivity is um, one of these things I was reading was saying to sort of to see, you know, the the woman's ability, I suppose, to carry you know a child within her helps her in being able to see through people to to what they are on the inside i mean obviously this isn't not all women are quite this um perceptive you know it's it's, it's not guaranteed but mm. but it's like, you know sort of our, our natures help us or, or lead us in that observation i guess mm. of, of being able to see more than what you're always presented with you know
0: you you've just said something quite quite interesting i i, I think there, which picks up on the diversity that you find amongst women and amongst hmm. men, like I noticed that the four the four uh, traits that that you describe, things like uh, you know generosity and mm-hmm. things like that, it's not that men are not generous uh, yeah. it's yeah. you know um, and, and that's <laughs> not what... selfish and... <laughs> yeah no <laughs> <laughs> men are not receptive to god's word um that's that's not what we're saying at all obviously if if we didn't think that men men uh, could be receptive to god's word then of course you know we wouldn't have men um who no, are priests or podcast. who are fathers at all yeah we would oh thank you very yeah. much uh we wouldn't we wouldn't have men who are prepared to even to have families and have mm. children and you know because that is also about being receptive to god's word isn't yeah. it you know um so yeah I, I it's it's an interesting thing, and also you saying there about how um uh a lot of uh, it, it, it highlights to me that sometimes when we talk about men and women we talk Mm. in a very general way so it might be something that's not um always manifested in each and every person's life necessarily Mm. in the same way like we have many men who uh who are uh stereotypically quite feminine i mean some people have, have said that have said this about me myself uh, 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 there are other people who would describe uh some women as um uh, being fairly uh, masculine in some ways. so that there is um what's what i'm looking for sometimes we can over over generalize i think sometimes yeah. um but that doesn't mean that there's no difference and that there's no truth to these to to these um uh ways of speaking i mean the reasons why generalizations generally work uh, Mm um is because actually they are grasping it something which is generally true uh uh, uh, about about most people and i suppose uh, you could say you know
1: all people should well i guess you know we are always trying to cultivate the virtues you know sort of regardless mm. of male or female sort of you know we should always be striving for the <laughs> the gifts of the holy spirit <laughs> sometimes Ab- we're we're closer and sometimes we're further away
0: <laughs> absolutely and we grow in that also through through encountering the difference of each other mm. uh you know through um through the support of men who are uh, role models and who are older than 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 we mm. are when we when we are Young and children and that sort of st- support that we need, but also through the women who we come into who we come into contact with. And there's a sort of a mutual shaping and a a changing. You know, I was talking to one of my yeah. friends from back home uh, who'd been on uh, a girl's night out. And she was saying just how different it is when there are no men around, you know. And uh, I was thinking I was thinking to myself about um, what my life would be like if I lived in a mixed community. If instead of living with 20 something, you know, other men, 20 other friars, um, like during the lockdown, one of the things that that I noticed was almost all of my interaction for the period of a year and a half or however long it was, Mm. almost all of my interaction face-to-face, in fact, actually, probably all of my face-to-face interaction, was with other men. And I really missed having the presence of a woman around to talk to, Mm. to to be with. And uh, there is a... um, Something je ne sais quoi. there is something mm. ineffable about it you know we we and i wasn't the only one to say it a lot of the friars said <laughs> you know what i really miss having uh that interaction with yeah. women you know we need each other um and yeah, i think uh, it we, definitely each sort of interesting other.
1: conversations as well because because i i Different do think I'm, I'm sort of, and... yeah exactly and i see that definitely between me and my siblings sort of between my my younger sisters or my younger brothers you know the the same situation can be perceived so differently between them, and and I can really see. I mean, especially when testosterone hits in their teenage years. Um, but but yeah, sort of the way. And but then it's really hard though to sort of to really um, to categorise. Oh, you know, this is how men are different. It's just in certain situations you can really see you can always predict like, no, this is what they're going to say or, you know, sort of, no, they're not going to listen. <laughs>
0: but, yeah. Yeah. And but. yeah, I mean, as, as you say, I mean, like it always, it's always going to depend on the person who you have in front of you. You know, mm. there are, I, yeah, one of the things that sometimes would wind me up, uh, <laughs> not so, not just when I was younger, but it, even now is when sometimes you will see um, people talking to young boys um, and sort of um, criticising them for how they're acting as being uh, not masculine or, mm. you know, like I, like phrases like man up, things like that, yeah. I don't think actually are very helpful at all.
1: Yeah, or boys um, don't cry.
0: Yeah. Or boys don't cry. Yeah, I, I really don't think that, that uh, things like that are actually very helpful because mm. that you are a man or that you are a woman doesn't depend on if you cry or show emotion yeah. uh, it doesn't uh, you're no less of a man because you cry you're no mm-hmm. less of a man um because i don't know you like um uh sports or or pastimes Knitting. <laughs> oh yeah pastimes which are uh stereotypically uh, mm. uh, associated with women you know yeah. it you uh, like and th- this is i think where um uh biological sex i think is is quite mm. an important thing and obviously in in uh recent times the this has become much more of a uh hotly well, yeah, suppose... debated topic right yeah
1: yeah and and also that um as you say, sort of stereotypical um, pastimes, you know, they're, they're a product of their era because, for example, like knitting, um, the soldiers, I think during World War, oh, you're gonna have to correct me, but World War One or World War Two, to prepare soldiers for potentially getting captured and being taken to POW camps, you know, prisoner of war camps, they yeah. were taught how to knit so they could then make themselves jumpers when they were in prison, you know, yeah. so. so
0: that, and the women, you know, the women, been, of course, worked uh, in the ammunitions factory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Some people, some people say, oh, you know, oh, it's it's not very like, for example, with things like war and things and Mm. violent professions, um, Mm. they'll say, oh, you know, it's not it's not very good, you know, to send off a a generation of of people who are um, maternal or or female to go uh, to go and fight in wars because it changes Mm. the structure of society. and It's all very bad and everything. And then I remember my my grandmother telling me that. When she, was, um, when she was younger, uh, they had loads of chickens in their back garden. And the person who would kill the chickens was her mother or her, you know, a, as a young girl. Mm. Um, they would have to take the life of the chicken. And that, that's a very brutal... <laughs> it's it it's a very brutal thing to do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I remember my granddad. My granddad, um, he's still with us, you know, thank God. Um, but he was taught to sew in the army so that way he could repair his uniform and he could repair his socks. And uh, he was taught to look after his clothes well and to polish and shine his shoes and things like that. And nowadays, when people think about clothes and taking care of your appearance and things, I suppose you have the sort of, Mm Uh, what do they call uh, metrosexuals or whatever? <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> that, that that description of men who like to cultivate and take care of their appearance. Yeah. It's becoming more of yeah. a more of a thing, isn't it? Um, but even back then, there, there was still this uh, emphasis on uh, men who like to take care of their appearance and, uh, the army teaching you to sew because they were incredibly practical skills and you know yeah. you didn't have there was nobody else there who was going to be able to do it for you you know
1: um, <laughs> unlike unlike you brother Tom who who fixed your uh, habit
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did and I'm very grateful uh, my, I, my habit was very holy in many ways and uh, Amelia sort of reduced some of the ways in which my uh, habit was holy by repairing <laughs> it. Uh, and I'm very grateful. Uh, there's another <laughs> a, another lady, a, la- a lay Dominican, who um, fixed a hem on my on my habit and again i'm very grateful Aww. it's a skill actually i'd like to acquire um, <laughs> it would be very useful one day <laughs> yeah one day <laughs> one day <laughs> but it's, it's
1: also a skill to be able to ask for help so you're just you know <laughs> i uh, yes. in different ways <laughs> i'm
0: i'm i'm relying on the on the gifts and talents of of others um yeah i don't know i am i am very grateful um <laughs> Yeah, so I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, Probably something else. I was was
1: just going to mention about sort of you know the four things we were saying um, about you know aspects of femininity, and one of them was maternity, and I think especially in this current day and age, it's really important to, I suppose, highlight that you know maternity or being maternal, you know, doesn't mean you have to have your own biological children. You know, because I think especially with certain situations, you know. with women in, in this day and age, there can almost be that pressure that, you know, sort of, you know, you reach, I don't know, your mid-twenties, early thirties, and, you know, you should have children. You know, you should start your family, you know. Um, and even if people are only joking about it, like, oh, when are you going to, you know, when are you going to give me grandkids? <laughs> Not today, dad. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Did you hear that, Amelia's dad? <laughs> He's just um, down the stairs. Amelia, she's shouting yes. for... <laughs>
1: But but the idea, I think, of especially spiritual motherhood, and I think it's so often overlooked.
0: It's no you know, less and, fruitful, right? It's yeah, no less fruitful.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And because I myself, I've got three godchildren, um, but I suppose to an extent, I mean, my younger siblings might disagree with me here, but to an extent I'm perhaps more maternal to them than I am um, sisterly, you know, sort of, especially like my youngest brother's only seven. <laughs> um and I won't say how many years older I am than that, but many.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering what Douglas will say if he hears you say, oh, I'm very maternal. <laughs> I'm
1: so loving. I'm just like patient all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, but just sort of that, that aspect that sort of, you know, to be a woman and to live that, you know, the feminine genius um, through maternity, you know, spiritual maternity, and sort of mm. to caring for people in the workplace, you know, sort of seeing that maybe someone's being treated unfairly, or um, that things could be done better, that perhaps you know some of the the managers haven't seen, you know, so that is also, I suppose, aspects yeah. of of maternity, you know, or maternal feeling, you know.
0: You're right, absolutely. You know, you know what I was saying to somebody the other day. You know, if um, I as as a friar, sort of had a let's say somebody was was being quite uh say confrontational right Mm. and if i went up to somebody and rebuked them as a friar and as a man i Mm. think i could get a violent reaction right yeah whereas very often i think if a woman in that situation will approach that person and be able to talk to them there is a different mode and a different way of being Mm. i think in the majority of cases women would be much more likely to be able to de-escalate the situation um uh so i think you know i was i was having a joke with uh, one of the sisters of the of saint joseph in in the new forest (laughs) and uh i think it was sister carino and we were going for a walk around soho square um after we were um both taking part in this Advent retreat at St. Patrick's Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, there was this car that was turning the corner and it it slammed on its brakes for us uh, um, as we were sort of crossing the road and she started laughing and she said uh, you know, if you were if you were here on your own and you're just crossing on your own, they would have just, you know, sped up and ran you over. But because I'm here, you know, they wouldn't dare yeah. run over a religious system. And I think there's something really true in that, you know, mm. um, I think there is uh, not in the sense that people would actually run run me over. But mm. I, I think that there's something about sisters and nuns um, that. Is is very oh well. I suppose you
1: could say it brings out the protective maybe side of of because I suppose it would be you know the prerogative of men to be protectors you know and providers you know I mean that might be a stereotypical aspect but I think you know sort of in their nature I think
0: like I I, I find like sisters and mm. nuns and, and things in particular when they say something you listen. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like you see all the time, I think, with, with priests and preachers and things, people will sort of roll their eyes and say, oh, you know, father's going on <laughs> one again. When a sister or when a nun, uh, you mm-hmm. know, says something, um, I I find myself, I have a, mu- a, a sort of, I don't know, a certain... Reverence for them that I don't necessarily have for others that maybe I maybe I should have maybe that is just my own defect you know, um, but there there is something about sisters and nuns and that spiritual mm. maternity that you're describing yeah. um, that I feel a a, a tremendous reverential, um, uh, filial sort of devotion. Uh, towards them yeah um yeah even as their their brother in christ and one day as a as a spiritual father in the church um there is something about sisters and nuns and their Mm. how they conduct themselves and how they speak and there's there is a certain sort of gravitas which is unique to their vocation you know
1: and i think Uh, because it's so it's so obvious or it's such a you know their their vocation as you know sisters sort of it really I think highlights for yeah. all all the lay faithful th- this idea that there is more to our life mm. than the material and that, that yes. and that there is something that we are aiming for
0: yeah
1: and that these women have you know dedicated their lives yeah. to to attaining that and to 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 following that call mm. that we will all follow you know we will all you know hopefully <laughs> please God yeah. you know, meet each other in heaven again. Um, and I, I that, think they can get goodness. to places,
0: they can get to places and do work with people that mm. um, that others can't, I think. Yeah. that people are much more likely, I think, to trust a sister or a nun than they are mm. to, to in, in today's current climate than to trust a brother or a priest, generally speaking. Mm. Um, I think of, of the tr- tremendous sisters in, in London who work with victims of sex trafficking. For example, mm. uh, the tremendous work that they do there, also uh, in the in the pro life movement as well, yeah. the Sisters this of Life uh, in in DC, uh, for example, and and in the New York area that um, that I know of, they are capable of having conversations that other people mm. in the church can't necessarily have. People sometimes nowadays are suspicious of yeah. the hierarchy, and are suspicious of people in official. Positions of, of of in inverted commas yeah. of authority and in, in, in of of power in in hmm. inverted commas. I say that because fundamentally the priesthood and the hierarchy is a hierarchy of service. Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: and sometimes people people don't don't realise that that the reason why they want to set hierarchy and authority against. Uh, against service and the charismatic gifts of the church and and you just can't because the authority that the priests and bishops have is there to serve and govern and to help the church as christ willed right but there is a uh an influence and an authority and a power which is much less threatening and intimidating mm. uh, which is exercised by women in the church uh, I would say through yes through sisters and through nuns but also through through lame women as well one of the questions I had when I was a novice was am I going to be able to better preach the gospel as a friar and as a priest than mm. I would as a, la- a lay person. Because I know that for some people. Now I wear a habit. And when I'm ordained. the uh, Hopefully God willing. There will be some people who will trust me less. Mm. And so will be less likely to listen to me. Who would have listened to me. When I was a layman. And I think part mm. of it is because. They wouldn't have felt. threat As threatened by me. Mm. as As a layman. And I could talk to them in a different way and relate to them in a different way than I do now or I will hopefully in the future when ordained mm. to, to the priesthood. So you, I think that the laity have this way and sisters uh, and nuns have this way of um, crossing some of those divides and um, uh, and boundaries to be able to reach people who would feel uncomfortable perhaps with uh, talking to uh, a priest or to a brother or mm-hmm. or something like that well, I mean what, what are your thoughts on 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 that?
1: Yeah, definitely and I'd say especially as you were saying something about um the laity um, maybe possibly not only more so but in a different way to to even sisters and nuns is the aspect of you know being able to minister well, minister you know in in the workplace yeah or, um or you know when you're studying because I know for myself that sort of, when I was at university you know I never actually told anyone I was Catholic it just sort of some I suppose you know maybe I was I was away too many Sunday mornings and people were like, oh she's going to church or whatever <laughs> but but then people would then make assumptions based on that about sort of my my morality and mm. my and um, I, I bet,
0: I bet any money people came and asked you for advice, even when they knew you'd usually disagree three with them. in the
1: morning. It, it, it yeah. wasn't usually advice. It was usually trying to sort of, so Amelia, you know, this is this, is, you know, sort of half past three in the morning. I'm ready for bed. So Amelia, what's the church's state on, um, on contraception? Like, what's that all about? And you're just like, oh, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, to sort of to be there, I mean, arguably, you know, I was the only person. That, that they would ever come across that would have an opposing view, you yeah. know. And so even if I, I didn't really argue very convi- convincedly or if I didn't really know all the answers, for them just to know that someone was out there who did think differently, you know, Yes. Um. sometimes that will be the closest thing. They'll get to actually reading any church teaching, you know. So, so that would be one thing I'd perhaps recommend as, you know, as a female layperson is to, you know, do read, you know, sort of do... You know, you, you might be the closest thing anyone gets to asking the questions of the church, you know. Um, absolutely.
0: Now, and, on that, yeah. I I could not agree. I could not agree more. I could not agree mm-hmm. any, any more. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, I. This is one of the things that I often say to people is that just think about how many people are in our society. Think about how many people are church going catholics and things and Mm. how many people even in our society now sort of don't really know the gospel don't really know that christ loves them and you might be the only person in their lives who knows and loves christ you might be the only person in their life representing christ to them yeah they might, they might, you know, and that's the the beauty, I think, also of, of the laity. You know, a lot of people who, I say a lot of people, some of the people who I meet now, even when I'm in situations with my family, like either at a funeral or at something like mm. that, some people will come up and talk to me out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people will sort of keep their distance because <laughs> they're worried that i'm going to judge them or they're worried yeah. about what i'm going to say so i always try to do something to try and sort of put people at ease and make yeah. sort of funny jokes or be a bit eccentric or something yeah. um, <laughs> but <laughs> when i was uh, a layman there, there wouldn't be that sort of standoffishness necessarily yeah. people might think i was a bit strange because i was incredibly religious um but The thing to to remind yourself is that by virtue of your baptism, you participate in Christ's mission as priest, prophet and king and that you represent him. You are a member of Christ's body by virtue of your baptism. And so you represent Christ. As Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. You represent Christ to those people. And so then do learn as much as you can about your faith. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. join Father uh, Mike schmitz's um bible study podcasting you know to, to try and get through the the scripture in a year learn about your faith, buy a catechism, read the catechism, get involved in your church. If there's not much going on in your church, suggest starting up a soup kitchen or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, performing those works of mercy, pray, try to get to mass more regularly and to confession and and all the rest of it, celebrate the sacraments. Because for a lot of people out there, you are their only connection to Christ and his church. For a lot Mm -hmm. of people out there, and, you know, oh, gosh, yo, you've You've set me
1: off. I'd also add to that, I think we, you know, so that's us sort of looking after other people. I think we also need to look after ourselves. And I think one way we can do that is by cultivating um, relationships and friendships with other Catholics. Um, I think it can be very fruitful and beneficial for us to have good friendships with other people that also believe what we believe. Yeah, um, for your
0: own support and stuff as well, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, we all go through difficult uh, difficult periods in our faith life. We all have questions. And, you know, God wills us to be part of a church. He wills us to depend upon each other. He wills yeah. us to have this interconnectedness. So I completely agree with you. Having good uh, friendships with uh, fellow Catholics and meeting people in your church and things. And, yeah, I mean, you'll meet people who are living the fullness of the truth in uh, two varying degrees, right? Some people mm-hmm. find it much easier than others. And, and, and Pius Twelfth, in his encyclical, Mystici Corporis Christi, says we should expect to find sinners inside the church, which reminds me of Pope Francis when he talks about the church as like a field hospital. So it's not yeah. as though everybody in the, in the church is um, morally perfect or has uh, got, a, a brilliant grasp of, of the truth. But Christ willed to make his church a uh, mediator of grace uh, with the fullness of of uh, grace and truth to come into uh, a perfect union with him so that we may become partakers of the divine nature so that we can become one with, one with God. And it's really important that you have that catholic support network as well yeah. you know jonathan who was on the podcast a couple of uh weeks ago um in the episode about purgatory um he is a convert himself from anglicanism and um i remember when i was getting to know him um i remember putting him in touch with somebody else to do his Instruction to do his uh, his uh, instruction to become a Catholic because I thought it was going to be really important that he had somebody who was just a Catholic friend hmm. um, in, in his life, um, somebody who could he could just you know have normal sort of friendship conversations with, not somebody yeah. who was going to be giving him formal uh, formal instruction. It's a yeah. different sort of dynamic you have with them, right? Yeah. Um And this is one of the reasons I think that priests again priests and religious need to develop and cultivate good friendships with each other because how other people relate to you after you're Mm -hmm. ordained or after you make vows when you're in a habit people relate to you differently but you are no less in need of support and friendship Uh, we all go through very difficult times our faith can be shaken Uh, Mm -hmm. our our um lives uh can if we're if we're not careful become become compromised and how we manage to come back and how we manage to uh, sort things out again is very often through those other members of Christ's mystical body through those friendships that we've we've received the rest of the of, of the body supports us and encourages us lifts us up prays for us advises us counsels Mm -hmm. us teaches us sometimes admonishes us you know sometimes (laughs) you need to be told off
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) see that's that's a really interesting point there because i think especially again coming back to the role of women i think you know the role of like our mothers you know my mother i remember we watched um a film about abby johnson um oh yeah if you remember yeah um and in that one of her you know her key pieces of advice was you know if you can't talk about something with your mother you know, if you don't feel, you can tell your mother what it is you're doing. You know, chances are you shouldn't be doing it. You know, so she's almost mm. like your external sort of conscience, um, yeah. and and that's you know sort of a, I suppose a more mundane use of your mother, but sort of to that idea that we can we can use sort of the you know our mothers or you know the sort of other people in our life to to help us, I suppose, because sometimes you can't see when you're going wrong. You know, when you're in a situation, it can be really hard to know that actually, you know, you've gone off the rails a bit and mm. it can be helpful to have people there that can be like, are you sure?
0: Yes, yeah. And sometimes just to sort of say, no, this, is, this mm. isn't this is a good thing, you know, like a, you
1: could do better. A, a mother hen
0: or, you know, a mother <laughs> yeah. bear protecting her cubs. Um, yeah. You know, I, my, my family, when I was sort of growing up, uh, the women in my family are, are very fierce and <laughs> um, they were... Protective and um, supportive and always, always very loving and always very, mm. very warm, um, but they were not afraid to tell you when something was wrong and. Um, mm. And I think we were all the better for it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Anyway, we've, we're have we coming up to about 50 minutes in the podcast. So this is going to be one of the longest episodes. And I apologize to Dan for the... <laughs> the... He'll
1: edit it all out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It'll
1: end up being five minutes long of quality. Five, five minutes,
0: 26, <laughs> yeah. But well, we did have an episode, one of our earlier episodes with, I think it was with Dr. Maristella, uh, was, was coming up to about 50 minutes or so. So I, hopefully he will keep this uh hopefully this will just be a, a, a slightly longer episode but thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and agreeing to talk i know sometimes it can be a bit sort of daunting uh, yeah. but thank you very much and hopefully you, you will agree welcome. to come on again hopefully i haven't scared you off yeah th- uh, this wasn't
1: too traumatizing <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you very much and um yeah uh as always i just like to say to our subscribers uh, like comment and subscribe and share this podcast and if you have any questions or maybe you disagree with some of the things that we've said feel free to leave a comment below and uh, maybe we could have a a follow-up uh, follow-up episode to talk about um, some of the some of the comments or, or descriptions that people have um, at a at a later date uh, yeah so thanks very much once again for uh popping on the podcast Amelia and um Thank you. I hope all of our listeners and you also, Amelia, of course, (laughs) (laughs) have a good week. (laughs) God bless you. Bye,
1: everyone.